This podcast is presented to you by Pastor Jason Burns and Access Church in Lakeland, Florida. For more information, visit access.tv. If you have a Bible and you want to follow along, I'll be in Mark chapter 10. And I know this is my first time here and, you know, it's awkward introductions. I, I don't know you and you don't know me. And so one of the things I'd just love to let people know is that I have I have terribly low self-esteem, uh, like crippling insecurity. And so when I preach a message, I need constant feedback and affirmation. Just like uh, constant feedback and affirmation. Just you're going you're gonna to like, you're going to say amen and you're going to like support. And you're going to think, my goodness, that must be enough to overcome his insecurity. And when you get to that point, you're just getting started with the level of affirmation that I need. Come on, I need, I need amens. I mean, I need the, uh, that's right. I need, that's so good. That's so good. Um, that's the greatest thing I've ever heard. You're so handsome. I'm just throwing ideas at you at like what you could say to support the man of God as he preaches the word of God today. Mark chapter 10 verses 13 through 16 says this, and they were bringing children to him that he might touch them. And the disciples rebuke them. So Jesus is doing public ministry. They bring children. The disciples rebuke the parents. But the Bible says when Jesus saw it, he was indignant. And I don't know if this helps anybody, but it just helps me to know that Jesus got angry with his friends. Does that help anybody else? Like he's, he, he's indignant. And the Bible says, and he said to them, let the children come to me and do not hinder them for to such belongs the kingdom of God. Truly I say to you, Whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. And he took the children, blessed them, laying his hands on them. And I know you're in a series called Force Multiplier. And I just want to use the word of God to help build your faith for a few minutes today. I want to preach a message called the gospel of permission. And, and I hope you understand today the incredible permission that God has given us to seek him for some great and mighty things and when we read Mark chapter 10, we, we get the setting that Jesus is doing some, some public ministry. He's out ministering to the crowds and the masses. And the Bible says that somewhere in the ministry time, a parent got the idea, man, I would love to have Jesus pray a prayer blessing over my children. And uh, other parents caught that idea and they're bringing their children to Jesus so that he could pray a prayer of blessing over them. But as they're coming to Jesus in order to get a blessing, the Bible says that the disciples rebuke the parents, rebuke the parents, cut off their access to Jesus and refuse to let them bring their children to Jesus. And then the Bible tells us that Jesus got angry with them for rebuking rebuking the people for bringing kids to him. And here's my thesis today that I want to give you. And that is we need to be careful about receiving a no from people when we have a yes from God. That we need to be careful about who we receive a no from when we have a yes from God. And a, a few years ago, there, there was the season that I went through where I just kind of felt honestly convicted by the Holy Spirit to to study the, the culture that we're in and sort of the, the, the philosophies of the world that are becoming prevalent in our day. And, and, and one of the things that I walked away with after reading some books and taking some courses and just leaning in is we're living in what I would describe as an age of cynicism. That we're, we're living in an age of criticism 
that we're living in an age of what I would call militant unbelief. It's not that there are just people who, who struggle in faith. It's that there is almost a, an aggressive form of militant unbelief to, to, to annihilate, to destroy the, the faith that other people would have. And it's, it, it's, it's dangerous because we need to understand that, that God didn't give us the gift of cynicism. Like, that's not, that's not something God gave us. Like, what's, 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 your, what's your spiritual gift? It's like, well, I, I've got the gift of suspicion. I'm suspicious of everything and everyone. And, well, that's, 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 not, that's not a spiritual gift. That's, that, 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 that's some of our jadedness, some of our cynicalness. And it's, it's dangerous to get to a place of cynicism, to get to a place of unbelief, because everything that God's going to do in your life, He's going to do by faith. That whatever God's going to do in your life, it's going to happen because somebody believed God for it. And I think sometimes we think that if God wants to do something, if God, if God wants to do it, then he's going to do it. That if God's willed it to happen, that it's going to happen. And the truth is, is that God may have willed it, but what God does is he doesn't simply do it. What God does is he gives somebody on earth the permission to believe for it, the permission to believe and have faith for it. In fact, the first part of the Lord's prayer is your kingdom come, your will be done in earth as it is in heaven, which means one of our primary jobs in Christ, as Christians is to reach up to what's in heaven and pull heaven heaven down into earth with our faith and believe God that what he has willed in heaven that God is going to do on the earth and we need to understand that God doesn't just simply do something that God partners with people who have faith and have belief and he partners with them to bring his will and his kingdom into the earth today everybody say amen oh you just filled you just filled my heart up you did you did so good and there, there are people today, and I, I want to be kind, there, there are people today who are just so discouraging. So we live, we live in such a critical, critical, cynical age. And I would love to say that it's, that it's just in the world, but come on, sometimes the world gets into the church a little bit. Sometimes the, the, what I would call the spirit of the age can kind of seep into our thinking, and, and, and we have to be honest about it. And it's amazing to be... Because there, there are people who are discouraging of talking about blessing. There are people who are discouraging, and I love that you're in this series called Force Multiplier. That there are people who are discouraging towards people's faith to receive a blessing from God or, or to believe for greater things, to have, a, have an expectation, a vision of greater things. And, and, and there's just people who can, they can tell you everything not to do. Uh, they can tell you every restriction in the Bible. It's like their lives are stuck on no. They build up hardship and they build up suffering. And, and how many of you know when you read the Bible that there's both blessing and suffering found in the Bible? Like when, you, when you read the Word of God, you'll, you'll come across seasons of suffering. You'll come across seasons of blessing. That when you read the Bible, uh, you'll find out that there's seasons of hardship, but there's also seasons of favor from God. And, and I'm not talking about, when I talk about permission, I always like to clarify this. When I talk about permission, I'm not talking about license. License is when we do whatever we want to do and we tell God He's okay with it. I'm not talking about license to live an unbiblical lifestyle, to be ungodly. 
and our behavior. I'm just trying to tell you that we have permission from God to seek some things from Him, and we need to wrestle through this, that there are, there are no's in the Word of God. How many of you know there are no's in the Word of God? That we need to honor the no's of God, because every time, all of the no's of God are there to protect the yeses of God. That He gives us the no's in order to get us, He's given us the no's so that He can protect the right yes in your life, and when God is closing doors in your life, it's because He's trying to close all the wrong doors so He can get you to the right door in your life. And all of the no's of God are there to protect the yeses of God. And there's some dangerous thinking, like even in a religious context, that, that you shouldn't include yourself in the Bible. Like when you read the Bible, you shouldn't include yourself. That you're not, you shouldn't read the Bible like you're David and, and your problems are Goliath. You shouldn't read the Bible that way because the Bible isn't about you. And I, I would just tell you, absolutely, the Bible isn't about us. That would be so narcissistic to believe that, that God moved on all of these people to write this just about us. And I want to tell you, the Bible isn't about us, but I do believe that the Bible is for us and that God recorded all of these stories so that what we believe is that what God did in their lives, that God is able to do in our lives, that He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And if God ever took down a giant, He can take down a giant in your life. And if God ever saw Daniel through a lion's den, He'll take you through the lion's den of your life. And if God ever walked three Hebrew boys through a fiery furnace, He will stand with you in every fiery trial of your life. And we believe that these stories are recorded to give us an indicator of how God interacts with His people. And I believe this. I believe what God has done is a prophecy of what God will do. And we know that He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And what God has done, come on, let's receive it for a promise for our life that that's what God is going to do. And it's interesting because there's there's just no people in the world. Do you ever you, you have any no people in your life? Just the the, the negative, like the the harsh negative people, the, the the no people. And I've noticed this because they tell you that you can't include yourself, that you can't include yourself. But I've noticed that they're selective in their inclusion. Because they'll include you in the suffering, but they won't include you in the blessing. They'll include you in the persecution of Paul, but not the blessing of Abraham. They'll tell you you can be Judas, but forget to tell you that you can be Joseph and you can be favored by God, even in the worst circumstances of your life. And I think we need to be careful that we don't live in the cynicism of the world. And I think we need to be careful that we don't receive a no from somebody else when we have a yes from God. Because it doesn't matter how many people have told you no, you only need one yes from the Almighty God to change the circumstances of your life. And I've been told no by banks and I've been told no by government entities. And a few years ago, we got told no by a financial advisor that we couldn't do this project that we had dreamed in our hearts. And I just want to tell you where we got to know we're about, we're just a few weeks away from moving into the facility because it doesn't matter how many people tell you no. Come on, somebody, you just need one yes from God. How do you, how do you work out the yeses of God in your life. I, I think there's some, there's some, some grit, some, some work that has to go into our faith. And in my experience, I think one of the things that people struggle in, in dealing with the promises of God, of having, having the faith to believe for the miracles and the supernatural and believe for greater things, I think one of the things that we struggle with is, is outcomes. Because here's, here's the truth. All of us in this room, many of us 
probably all of us, have prayed for something. And I mean, we didn't just kind of passively pray. We prayed sincerely. We prayed in faith. And we didn't get the outcome we were praying for. Anybody ever prayed for something and you didn't get the outcome? It's, it's, it's all of us. And I, like this one time, I, I prayed for this lady to die and she didn't die. Listen, but before you go getting all judgmental, like you've never done that, um, I, she was a very elderly woman, and um, she was in the hospital, and I got a phone call from somebody representing the family, and they told me that the doctors had said that it was her time, and the family was asking me to come pray a, a final prayer over her last few moments, and that, that she was going into a hospice room, and that, this, that that day was the day, and it just happened. I was a long way away. I wasn't where I could get there easily, and I wanted, I wanted so desperately to honor the family's request and get there, and I couldn't get there. It took me hours to get there, and the whole time I was afraid that I was going to be too late, so I get to the address of the building, and it's the weirdest thing. I walk in this building. It's like no one works there. there there's, there's no employees around anywhere. I'm just wandering down a hall, and I actually accidentally stumble onto her room and her room is like empty. There's like a, a bed and a chair and the lights are off and she's laying in the bed. No family's there. And I'm like, I'm trying to look to see if I'm too late. And I like, I don't even know like what's going on. And so I just, I just go in the room and I grab the little chair and I just sit down by her side and I start praying, Lord, Lord, would you, would you let her have peace in this moment? And God, would you let her not have any pain? And would you receive her into your arms, Jesus? And would you let her have a smooth transition from this life into your arms? And she goes, thank you for the prayers, pastor. Um, it was rehab. It wasn't hospice. She was getting out of the hospital. Uh, she moved f uh, and lived for years after that. Um, I have no idea what was going through her mind when I was praying that prayer. Like, I, she was probably waiting for me to grab the pillow and just be like, you know, you know like, can you, can you see Jesus yet? You know, like, I'm just, like, I, I was crossing that lady over. Um, <laughs> And in hindsight, like, I'm kind of glad the Lord didn't give me the outcome because I would have ended her right there. Like, that was it for her. Anybody ever prayed something and you prayed sincerely and you didn't get the outcome? And after a little bit, you're so grateful that God didn't give you what you wanted because he had something greater for you. And here's what I've learned is we aren't guaranteed because we get into outcomes. And, and I think what God trusts us with is God's like, I'm not going to let you be the one that determines outcomes because I have limited knowledge. And I, I, I would have all the wrong outcomes because I can only go by what I know. But there's moments that I need to trust the sovereignty of God. And God doesn't trust me with outcomes. He just wants to trust me with obedience and the obedience that we need in our life is to understand I'm not guaranteed outcomes, but I am guaranteed access that God has given me access to what he has for my life. And in the story that we just read, children of were of very low value. And the reason why the disciples said that the parents couldn't bring the children to Jesus is because in that culture, in biblical times, children did not have value until they reached adulthood. And so you had to, you had to work and you had to 
earn and you had to get to a level of status in culture and society that you had proven your worth and you had proven your value and then you could have status. And so when the disciples rebuked the parents for bringing the children, it's because they saw no, they saw no value in the children. And Jesus corrects that real quick and I'm so thankful that he did. And he taught his disciples, no, that's culture, that's not kingdom. And I'm so thankful for what happened on this stage that we value children, that we have a value in the next generation. But even beyond that, Jesus is not just teaching simply on the value of children because the culture of that day taught that you had to reach an age, you had to reach a level of status in order to get the blessing of the Father. If you wanted the blessing of your Father, you had to get to a certain age and you had to get to a status. You had to have a level of status, you had to have a level of achievement, you had to earn it. And Jesus is making it clear. He's like, that might be the way that you receive in the world, but that's not the way that you receive in the kingdom of God. That you might have to earn it in the world, but you don't have to earn it in the kingdom of God. That there is permission for you to be included in the blessing. And they didn't have to wait until they got to a certain level of status that God actually had a blessing for them that was based not on their status, but on their faith and authenticity. That that was enough to get them access to the blessing of God. And I believe that's why the Bible gives us Hebrews 4.16. Because it says, let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in a time of need. What does that mean? Can I approach Jesus for a miracle? Absolutely. We have the grace of God to go to the throne of God. Can I approach Jesus for something greater in my life? Yes, it's the gospel of permission. You have permission today to go to the throne of grace. And watch this. It's not based on your status. It's not based on how long you've been a Christian. It's not based on whether or not you've got a title with the church. It's not based on how good you've been because it's not based on your status. It's based on your faith to go to the throne of God that you have access today to a throne called grace and you don't have to earn it and you don't have to deserve it. It's just simply the access that we have. And listen to me, I don't know what kind of grace you're leaving with because I don't know outcomes, but I do know this, that you're going to leave with the grace that God has, a grace for that season and a grace for that moment. How do you work out the yeses of God in your life? I, I believe if God has given us access and permission, then we should be tenacious. In fact, I believe permission should inspire persistence. And you see all through the Bible where there were people who lived lives that were marked by restrictions. In fact, there's the story of the woman with the issue of blood. And there was a story where the Bible gives us the story of a woman who had a, a sickness that was, that was affecting her life for 12 years. And one of the things that's going on in our culture right now is we, we have this deal where we problematize everything. We catastrophize everything. And it's sort of getting ingrained in our culture to, to make whatever our issue is, to make it our identity. And come on, I believe that we can't sometimes do anything about where we're at, but I do believe God would want us to have a little bit of persistence to pursue something greater for our lives. And the Bible says that the woman with the issue of blood, that her life was declared unclean. And so I want you to think about this. Everywhere she went, it was marked with the word no. The law said that she couldn't touch people, that she couldn't be in public places. So everything about her life was marked by no. Can I, can I go to my own house? No. Can I hug my children? No. Can I, 
see friends and visit friends? No. Can I go to that public place and, and be in community? Her whole world was filled with no. The Bible says that she spent all of the money that she had going to doctors for 12 years. And then one day she decided to do something. And I believe this is where we're at in the church age. That, that one day she decided to do something and that was she decided to be countercultural. Instead of living by the cultural restrictions that had been placed on her, she heard that Jesus was passing through her neighborhood and she decided to do something that was outside of culture and she went and she touched the hem of Jesus's garment and for 12 years it had been a no from the law for 12 years it had been a no from the doctors from 12 years it had been a no from a culture but the day that she touched Jesus's garment it was a yes from God and she got the healing that she needed in her life and I believe this is the day and the moment that we don't need to live according to cultural norms I believe we need to be people who have an expectation to believe that God can do what he said he would do and that whatever we touch by faith will touch us Listen to me. If you touch the Word of God, the Word of God will touch your life. If you sit under the ministry of the preaching of the Word of God, the preaching of the Word of God will touch your life. If you live, dedicate your life to worshiping the Lord and being in the presence of God, if you engage the presence of God by faith, the power of God will touch your life. If you touch generosity and towards God's house and God's kingdom, I believe the blessing of God will touch your life. We just need to get a little persistence not to live with what the life has handed us, but come on, believe God has a greater reality for our world. How do you work out the yeses of God in your life? Here's what I believe. When we think about all God has done, it should build our faith to believe what God can do. One of, one of my favorite pastors says it this way. In all God has done, let's not assume that's all God wants to do. I think sometimes we're we're so enamored, like we can believe God that we can believe that God has done all of these great things in the past. Well, could we believe if God wanted to do those things in the past, God still wants to do those things in the future? And I don't know that it's going to work this way. But can you imagine when we get to heaven and we find out what all we could have believed God for on the earth? The miracles we could have seen, the doors that could have opened, the incredible things that, that a church could do, the incredible things that a life could do that was surrendered and had faith in God. And here's what I believe. I believe, I believe permission is potential that shouldn't be wasted. I, I think sometimes people treat faith like it's just this little accessory, like it's okay for somebody to be like this, this wild-eyed fanatic who believes in the supernatural and, and I believe this, I believe God has given us so much access and so much permission that it's potential in our lives that we, we should cherish and value. It shouldn't be wasted. That, that we should look at our lives as the potential that God has. And I, I believe so many times we live beneath the, beneath the privilege that God has given us. And every, every year, every January, myself and some of our staff at the church, we do this thing called the 30-day shred. And the 30-day shred is where you read, the Bible, you read the entire Bible in 30 days. So you're reading a ton of Bible. And the, the point of it is to, to see the meta-narrative of the Bible as one continuous book. And you're, you're not going into depth, obviously, in the stories. You're just, you're just skimming the surface. And, and it's, it's, it's an incredible season. But every year I'm reading through the Bible and I get to the Chronicles. And you know, you get to the Chronicles and you're, you're reading through all of these names that you can't pronounce. It's like zippity doo Dan begat Sassafras Shechem. And you're like, you're trying to figure out who all these people are. And every year there's the story of a man named Jabez who sneaks up on me. And, and the Bible says that Jabez's mother named him Jabez 
because of the pain that was surrounding his childbirth. So literally, his life was identified by the trauma that he was born into. That, that the trauma of his birth was the identity of his life. And I surmise that he had lived a life of limitation because of the prayer that I'm about to read to you. That there must have been something about his life around the circumstances of his birth, of what was handed to him, about the reality of what he was born into, about the circumstances that he came into the world, that there was something restrictive about his life. In First Chronicles 4.10, the Bible says, Jabez called upon the God of Israel, saying, oh, that you would bless me and enlarge my border and that your hand might be with me and that you would keep me from harm so that it might not bring me pain. And the Bible just simply says God granted him what he asked for, that God simply permitted his request, that Jabez, there was something about him that wanted to believe that there was something greater with God and that God just simply granted him. I call it the nod of God. How many of you know all God has to do is just nod his head and your whole world could change that all you need is the nod of God and the thing that I love about Jabez because I believe there's something about us sometimes that that wants to barter with God that wants to sort of that wants to sort of bargain with him and barter with him and be like God if you if you'll bless me then I promise you that I'll tithe. And listen, I believe in the tithe. I believe as Christians we should tithe. Or God, if you'll, if you'll open that window of provision, then, then I'll take care of the children in, in Papua New Guinea or somewhere in the world. And I, I believe we should remember the poor. It's scriptural to do that. But here's the thing that I think we need to understand is when we're asking God, Jabez didn't qualify it. Jabez didn't try to prove how good he was. He just simply let his heart's request be made known to the Lord because said, can I promise you this, that what God is gonna do in your life. It's not based on your goodness. It's based on His goodness. And when I'm going to ask God for something, I'm not trying to prove how good I am. God is proving how good He is. And if it's based on my goodness, then my Lord, I've already been blessed more than I should be blessed. But if it's best based on His goodness, then I can believe that even greater things are in store, that there's better things on the horizon because it's not based on who I am. Come on, somebody. It's based on who God is, that He is a good God that loves to bless His people. That He really is the God of exceedingly. That He really is the God of abundantly. Listen, that He's not just the God of enough. He's the God of more than enough. Did you know that God never barely did a miracle? That every time God does a miracle, that people run out of containers, then He runs out of provision. And that when He wants to provide everybody lunch, not only does He feed the 5,000, but He also makes sure there's got 12 baskets left over because He's not the God of limitations. Come on, He's the limitless, exceeding, abundant, great God that we have in our lives. And here's the thing that I think people struggle with in, in believing for faith and believing for great things, and that is not necessarily the ability of God, but the willingness of God. And I want you to understand that God is able and God is willing. I, I don't think many times as Christians, I know there's people who are struggling in their faith around, around God, but I don't think as Christians, as, as people who believe in the authority of the Word of God, I don't think we struggle with the ability of God as much as we do the willingness of God. Because it, kind of, it would be kind of crazy to believe that God could like, create the whole world but not be able to give you a better job. It, it would be sort of foolish to believe that He created the sun, moon, and the stars, the mountains, the trees, the grass, the animals, but He can't bless your life. 
So I don't think the challenge that we have is around the ability of God. I think it's around the will of God. And the truth is, it's not around really the will of God. It's really the will of God for our lives. Because I don't believe the struggle is to believe that God can do it in somebody's life. I believe the real struggle to believe is, God, can God do it in my life? Is God able and is God willing? And there's a story in the Bible of a leper who came to Jesus. And everything that was about the widow woman, about the woman with the issue of blood who had had that disease for 12 years, everything that was about her life was marked by his life. He lived a life full of restrictions and no's. And the Bible says that he came to Jesus in Luke 5, 12 through 13. And the Bible says, while Jesus was in one of those cities, there came a man full of leprosy. And when he saw Jesus, he fell on his face and begged him. And I want you to notice this. Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. And Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him, saying, I will be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him. And here's the question I want to give you today. Is what if, in all of our fear and all of our uncertainty, what if it was the will of God to say yes over your life? What if it was the will of God to say yes over your circumstances? And here's what I believe today is we just need to posture our hearts to believe that today, come on, you can be healed. Today, you can be set free. Today, you can receive a breakthrough. Today, you can be blessed. Today, you can see a mountain move. Today, you can receive a miracle. Today, you can be empowered by the Holy Spirit. Today, you can see a vision fulfilled. Today, you can be used mightily by God. Today, your life could be touched by Him. And today, right here in this moment, we could receive a supernatural yes from God that changes our circumstances. And not only is our God able, come on, can we believe that our God is willing to work in the circumstances of our lives. And I, I, I love how the Apostle Paul drops some really powerful truths in really practical places. In, in the second letter that he wrote to the church at Corinth, he's, he's committed to come to them and visit them, but, but his schedule had changed. And so when you're reading this, the context of it is that there's just a calendar conflict that's going on. But Paul didn't want people to think that he, was, that he was fickle, that his word didn't mean anything, and he had given them his word. And so he's explaining the circumstances, and he's wanting them to know that he's, he's faithful to his word. And in talking about that, he drops one of the most powerful truths. I mean, it's, it's almost like he's inspired by the Holy Spirit. You know what I'm saying? He literally is inspired by the Holy Spirit if you're new to church. And Paul says this, in 2 Corinthians 1.20, he says, For all of God's promises have been fulfilled in Christ with a resounding yes, and through Christ our amen, which means yes, ascends to God for his glory. And I, I don't know what circumstances your life might be walking through. Like, I don't know what your earthly reality is today. I don't know what, what confinements, what limitations, what restrictions that are marking and identifying your life. Sometimes we're just born into thinking that's so small. Sometimes we're just 
a part of a culture. Sometimes we're just around a friend group that, that gets negative and restrictive. But could I just posture? Could we just get a better picture for our life instead of looking from an earthly reality of all of the no's and all of the restrictions? Could we just look at what the Apostle Paul said and realize that today every promise that God has made is yes and amen in Jesus Christ. And today your life is living under the yes of heaven that wherever you go in your life that there is the yes of heaven that is echoing over your life and every promise that God made in his word is yes and amen in Christ Jesus. And you might be living in an earthly reality, but can I give you a heavenly reality that God from heaven is already saying yes over your life, that there is the yes of heaven hanging over your life. But there's two yeses in that verse. Paul said God has already said yes. And he said God's looking for somebody to say amen back to him, which is our yes to God. And here's the problem with faith. If you want to talk about a force multiplier, here's, here's the problem with faith. Is that faith always seems to be the exception. Like the crowd, the crowd never seems to have faith. It's always the, it's always the exception. That, that when there were 12 spies sent into the promised land. By the way, God had already said yes to Israel. You can have the promised land. God had already said yes from heaven, but 12 spies go in. Ten of them come back saying no, no, no. Only two of them come back saying yes, yes, yes. God said it. We can do it. We are well able. And all through the Bible, you'll find out in the, with the woman of with the issue of blood, many people touching the hymn, many people bumping up against Jesus, but only one of them touched him with faith and received the yes. In one city, there were many sick people around, but there was only one blind man who cried out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And he was the one that received his healing. There were 10 lepers that had Jesus speak a word of healing over them. Only one came back with gratitude and faith. And the Bible says, Jesus told him, your faith has made you whole. And in the, even among Christians and the church, sometimes we have to wrestle through that not everybody is going to have that moment of faith and courage, that there is exceptionalism to faith. Because even in the disciples, with 12 disciples in a boat on a stormy night with the wind blowing and the thunder rolling and the lightning flashing and the waves crashing. They're living in fear and they're drowning and they're going down and 11 disciples are clinging to the side of the boat and they're clinging to fear and they're clinging to hopelessness. But one of them looked at Jesus and said, Lord, if that's you, let me walk on that water. And he found out we've got the gospel of permission. You don't have to live in the boat with everybody else. You can actually walk on the supernatural. Yes from God over your life. Let me pray for you. Father, I pray today that if there are no's from people that define us, that have become part of our identity, would you just, by the Holy Spirit, would you just break through that today? Bring faith. Bring faith that we would reach, we would reach up into heaven Grab your will by faith and wrestle what you designed in heaven, that you would wrestle it into the earth. That we would pull down. We would pull down your plans and your purposes. That, Father, we would be exceptional Christians. I pray over Access Church that this would be an exceptional church. That we wouldn't be an average church, that we wouldn't be a dormant church, that we wouldn't be a stagnant church, but this would be a moving forward church. 
that this would be a big faith, Bible-believing, faith-filled, expecting God to do great things exceedingly and abundantly above what we could ask, think, or imagine. Would you just supernaturally unite our hearts around an idea that the yes of heaven is over this house, that the yes of heaven is over our lives, and we don't want to miss anything that you have, and it's not an accessory, God. This is the moment that you've called us to have faith, to be exceptional people who believe you and trust you and believe that you are able but not only are you able, that you are willing.